interviews. Hi, I'm your host, Sophia Negron, a former professional dancer turned professional photographer. Here's where I interview former professional artists that have moved on to a new career and learn about their stories of discovery, transition, passion, and resilience. My hope is that you will feel inspired to embrace your creativity, see the value in it, and let it color the rest of your endeavors. So, what will be your act two? Hi, I am Sophia Negron, and today on Act Two Interviews, I am here with Kame Caldwell. She is a former musical theater performer and now the founder of Hooray Kame, which she does undergarment education, and she's also a self-love coach, and she does a ton of other things that I'm going to let her tell you all about. So welcome, Kame. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you virtually. Tell me how you got started in musical theater. What is your background in that? Sure. I was the, you know, nerdo that was into musical theater from a very young age. I sang in the church choir. I loved performing. And so I did all the high school stuff. And I was in like a million select jazz choir and select women's choir, like all the things, show choir, everything. And I remember I really wanted to go to school for musical theater and my parents are pretty strict and we had a really big family. And so they were like, you have to pay for your own college. And I've been saving since I was like 15 years old for college. And it gave me this real power to decide where I went and what I was majoring in. My parents are lovely people. They wanted me to make a safe decision about college and what I was paying for. And so they wanted me to major in something else. And they wanted me to stay close to home. And I said, nope. I was living in Rochester, New York. It's where I grew up. I said, I'm moving to New York City and I'm majoring in theater. And I kept coming back to like, well, are you paying for my school? And they were like, well, no. I said, well, then I'm going to make the decision. It was like one of my biggest lessons in having that financial freedom to just decide. And so I went to school for musical theater at Marymount Manhattan College. I actually auditioned for very few places. I was a really, really good student in high school, but the college application process and the audition process was just something I was not prepared for and, and hadn't really even thought about. So it was actually, I think I'd only auditioned for two schools and <laughs> I know, and, um, and I ended up getting on the wait list for Marymount and getting rejected by the other school. So I was like, cool. So I guess I'm not going anywhere. And I was like, I guess I'll go to Europe for a year. And then right at the end, Marymount called me back and said, Hey, we'd love to have you. And I said, yes. And I'm so thankful that I went to school in New York city because being in New York for me personally was an education all its own. (laughs) You know, like our school was very tiny. We didn't have a big campus. You just lived in New York. And so all the kids that like kind of went to school someplace else and then moved to New York City to try to pursue acting and pursue theater, I felt like I had a big leg up on them because I already knew how the subway worked. I already knew how to avoid that guy in the corner. I already knew, you know, where my laundromat was. And I had like an infrastructure of friends and colleagues and and a life built. And so I went from that just into performing. Wow. So you went to Marymount. And then when you graduated, what kinds of things were you doing? So I was, I, because I was paying for my school, I was also working full-time and going to school full-time. So that was tricky because it made it a little bit more difficult for me to audition for school stuff, which I was a BA, so I, I wasn't required to audition and I just needed to survive. So I was like learning acting and I was like, I don't really have time to audition for all this stuff. So I I did a lot, but it was, you know, I didn't get to audition for as many things as I wanted to. Once I graduated, I was still working full time. I had like a really high paying job. I was working, I had started in shoes and then I went into bras and undergarments, which was a whole thing. And then I kept just moving up in that business. And I was working, I think at the time I graduated, I was working for La Perla, which is like super expensive, high-end lingerie. And by the time I was 22, I graduated a a semester early because 
I was just so burnt out from working full-time going to school full-time. And thankfully, my teacher let me audit the senior showcase so I could audition for agents and still got to do that whole experience, which was really great. But by the time I was 22, which was like my, would have been my final senior semester, I was going on television for bras. So I went on the Martha Stewart show live and Tim Gunn's Guide to Style, all supporting people with their bras and undergarments. So I was making probably almost 60 grand a year working in undergarments and talking about it on television and working at Saks Fifth Avenue on behalf of Perla. So I was doing that. So I had this full-time job. So auditioning and going to like open cattle calls and, you know, all the things that the non-equity tours of this. And I remember auditioning for stuff like little women that I was like, Oh, I'm perfect for little women. And just being caught before I even got to sing and just having my identity challenged so much because here I was being so successful in this other thing that I didn't even go to school for and making tons of money. And yet over here, this thing I really wanted to do, I was, I was struggling. It was really frustrating. Regardless, I did end up working a little bit. I, I was doing the audition grind all the time. Mostly I was doing singing stuff. And one of my favorite projects that I ever worked on was a psycho opera with Karen O and the Yeah, Yeah, Yes. And I, I worked with Adam Rapp was the director for that and had like Lily Tomlin in it. It's like a whole super cool experience at St. Anne's Warehouse. And that was in 2011. And it was just one of the best experiences of creating something completely new and different. I got to like throw up blood on stage and do all sorts of crazy stuff. And it was such a lived experience of being a performer and it was exhausting. It was so exhausting. So eventually I knew something had to change, but yeah, I was doing a lot of, a lot of random stuff, some commercials here and there and just a lot of, a lot of singing. Yeah. Well, getting to go on to TV and talking about bras, I mean, that's all your training and education there. Not everybody can go on television and actually talk about things intelligently and sell things and, you know, be able to be engaging, you know. 100% say, you know, my... My parents, like I said, did not want me to major in theater. And especially my, my father was very vocal, but my biological father was very vocal about this. And he really wanted me to major in like, uh, he always said I'd be a really good doctor or lawyer. And I said, you know what? I would be a really good doctor or lawyer and I would hate it. Like, it didn't matter to me if I was good at something. I really wanted to feel fulfilled in it. And so years later when I was, you know, not actually pursuing performing quite as much he asked me if I regretted majoring in theater and I told him no like straight up no never and I'm still paying for that schooling right and I told him it gave me so many skills that I can use now so one of them for sure is being able to go on television and present and and talk about things in a really clear way and you know having that skill to like meet hit your mark and do with the producer and do this thing I will say that hosting is really different than acting I actually took a whole hosting class because it's one thing to go on camera or on stage and be someone else that's a whole amazing awesome skill and like tap into your personal emotions but use them to like transfer into someone else to go on and be yourself that was something I had never thought about and so that actually took some extra skills to to be able to do that so Huge props to hosts and, and people who, who are hosting because it's it's a lot of work to be yourself on camera and, and, and like yourself in the process. But yeah, by the way, one of the things about bra fitting though that like where this came in handy was I was fitting probably on a really busy day, like 20 people a day, like a lot yeah. of people. And even on a slow day, probably five people a day. And I was saying the same script over and over again to them about how their bra should fit and why this size works. And, oh my gosh, who knew that this size was going to work? And like, wow, you're hearing this for the first time. Like the audience is hearing it for the first time. I've said the same script a million times. And so doing it as if it's the first time and really being there with that person is because it's their first time. That was all theater. That was all me being able to like do the same show a million times as if it's the first time and be with the audience as they're being like, wow, this is new information. (laughs) You know, that helps me with my sales skills beyond anything else for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you never, you never think about 
you don't think about that. You know, when you're when you're walking into a store and someone is helping you or anything that you're doing where you're having yeah. to tell someone the same thing over and over again. I love that analogy of just getting on stage and doing the same show yep. Yep. every time. Yep. You know. It also helps in, in press stuff. So I've I've actually done conversations like this, right? Where I'm I'm talking about how my business started or what I do hundreds of times. Or I've done um you know, uh, press stuff where I'm sharing how a bra fits for hundreds and hundreds of times and being able to share very similar information or similar stories over and over and over again in an engaging way has actually helped me get more press opportunities and more things because, you know, as, as awesome as I want to go like deep into the crevices of this story, they're all just like, can you share the 101 or like, what's that story about why blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I've I've shared this with a hundred other people, but let me share it with you for the first time in an engaging way. It helps a right. lot, a lot, yeah. a lot. Yeah, and I'm sure that the press loves when someone can come in and do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And the police are going back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, that whole hit your mark thing, that whole professionalism of I can deliver this in an engaging, exciting way, but also hit my mark at the same time, that's something that I think we we forget about when when we're watching live theater or acting and whatever. We all just think, oh, that they're being so emotional, whatever. They're also having to do very mechanical things at the same time or logistical things at the same time. They're going through this emotional experience and and being able to craft that in a in a believable way of like wow they're really in it but also like no I'm hitting my lighting cue I'm turning it this time I'm I'm all the mechanical things involved I think that's helped a lot in in many and many facets but especially when you know going on television and, and sharing stuff about bras for sure yes yeah and I'm sure that you know I used to see auditions all the time audition calls for spokespeople and hosts. So you just magically landed in that realm, which is really amazing. Because I mean, actors are, are sitting there going to auditions to try to get the jobs that you actually had. <laughs> yeah, and I did audition for hosting stuff for a little bit. And that was that was cool. It was fun. But then I just made up my own thing. You know, like, I just instead of being a spokesperson for someone else, I just created my own company where I said, okay, I'm going to get booked on this television show and I'm going to invite you as my brand partner to come on with me or to share your product. And I can tell you right now that that it has worked out very well for me. That's yeah. been something that's been really awesome. And, and the people, you know, the shows that invite me back, like I've been on the Rachel Ray show now five times. And I've been, I've done the Marilyn Dennis show, which is a kind of like the Rachel Ray show up in Canada, I think six times, maybe five times as well. And, you know, the reason, one of the reasons I get asked back is because I know what I'm talking about. Great. I also am engaging in, and adorable, wonderful, but also I know how to get the job done and how to, and how everything we just said about like engaging people, presenting something that gets the first time, you know, having that camaraderie, even if there's crazy stuff happening off stage or off camera. Like, trust me, what you see on that television show from that 10 minute segment of having a great time is not what's happening on set. So we've all had those days where we're performing and we're like, look at us doing this whole thing on camera or on, on stage, but off stage, you're like, what? This day is crazy town. Like that person called in sick, that person rolled her ankle, the producer is vomiting, like all sorts of crazy stuff, right? And so, the whole, the show must go on and go give it your best and like never like a hundred percent every time because these people are seeing it for the first time. That is something I'm so grateful to performing because I, I, I think maybe that might've been part of my personality anyway. Maybe that's why it meshed so well for me as a performer, but that was reinforced so much in my performing days. I mean, I remember in Stop the Virgins, I was sick, like super, super sick. And, and I don't think that you should push yourself through sickness in order to get stuff done, but some, some days you just, you have to, right. You just have to get the job done. And so, um, that helped me then do a commercial for bras for like a giant bra company where I just was like, okay, let me take the moment I need. Let me take, let me know how to take care of myself off stage. So then I can show up on stage in a way that helps everybody get the job done. So yeah, it's, it's life skills, <laughs> life yeah. skills that I feel like the theater taught us. 
Yes. And I don't think anyone really thinks about that stuff. I mean, you know, you're, you said that you got resistance from your parents and my parents were very supportive, but you know, they waffled a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I had, when I was going to college, I had scholarship interviews and people were sitting there going, you're so smart. You have such good grades. You could do anything. Why yeah. are you going to waste your time doing dance? Yeah, yes. this is not a waste of time. And what you've just talked about shows yeah. that it is not a waste of time. No, and it's hard too because we ha- we don't have a ton of success story. I'm going to put huge air quotes around that success stories when we see performers or artists in in the traditional form of success. And right. so part of us doing this is, is going against that traditional form of success that God bless our parents or loving people in our life. They want the best for us and they want the version of success that they are comfortable with for their kids. And, yes. and so saying to my parents, that version of success is great and it's not necessarily what I want, mm-hmm. took a lot of courage and, and mostly defiance at you know 18, but took a lot of courage for me to do and then to stick with it also took a lot of courage to say at one point, this particular way of fulfilling my personal success is not coming to do it anymore because I was so, so um, stuck on proving to people that I had made the right choice. And so letting that go and, and letting go of what people think of me or, or what it looks like to be a successful um, artist or performer and, and just trusting that even just the process of, of majoring in, in, in theater and, and, and moving to New York and use, learning all those skills and performing the little that I did was all worth it. So yeah. worth it. Yeah. And I mean, moving to New York at that age, I moved to New York when I was 19. So, you know, that in itself is a life lesson. Yeah. <laughs> all the things. Girl, I was 18 when I moved and just, I think, it, I think, you know, I was just young and fearless. Like I didn't know any better. And so I just moved and I was definitely scared. I lived at the Y, like through school. We lived at the 92nd Street Y, which if there's any New Yorkers here, like, you know, the 92nd Street Y is like this cool cultural center, but the rooms up top are just brick you know, cement rooms. They're not sexy or glamorous. And you're just like living on the Upper East Side, which when I first moved to New York, I was like, this neighborhood's scary. Now I'm like, wow, I was so sheltered. But (laughs) just like learning how to take the subway by myself and grocery shop for myself and cook for myself in New York City, that alone gave me so much courage and, and helped me move outside my comfort zone. And again, like I said, I'm just so thankful that I moved moved to New York for school because it gave me like a, a structure and a reason to be there. And I'm not saying I, I wouldn't have moved um, later. I'm just saying for me personally, I would have had a lot more fears. I would have been used to a different kind of experience and it would have been, it would have been a lot for me. And so I lived in some crappy neighborhoods. I lived through some really uncomfortable situations with bed bugs and mice and being broken in and the police and all sorts of stuff that looking back, I'm like, what in the world? And like telling me this probably is not very glamorous either to people who are like, why do you live there? But it taught me so much about what I'm capable of, what I can get through, what I can survive. And now when I look at situations in my life, I'm like, remember that time when you lived in a six floor walk up and you were going to school and working in and you had the police take you home that one time, <laughs> like get bed bugs and mice and roaches and terrible roommates. Remember that time? And your rent was two seventy five a month and you could barely afford it. Remember that? Like, you're okay. You are safe now. Everything is okay. Like you got through that. You can get through this. So resilience is what New York and theater taught me. Yes. I think resilience. I mean, I came to New York when I was 13, almost 14 for a summer intensive. And I stayed, we had rented an apartment and there was one mom and her two kids went to one ballet school. And my friend and I went to this other ballet school, which was right behind Lincoln Center. Okay. And for anyone that, like, has been over there, like, behind Lincoln Center, even though Lincoln Center is glamorous, there's projects back there. <laughs> and back in the, you know, 80s, it wasn't right. as nice as Different it is time. now. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I look back and I'm going, what were my parents thinking? Yes. I was there for two months 
Yeah. Pretty much by myself, we got around ourselves. I mean, the mom was at home and made sure we had food and we got home safely. But my friend and I just went around to ourselves and we had our, you know, things that we did. And, you know, when I moved back to New York at 19, it's, you know, you do, you learn a lot. And I think one thing I found with a lot of people that were in New York and were artists and trying to do the artist and the working, I found a lot of them got sucked into working. I waited tables and I worked at tons of restaurants because basically I was like, um, I have a shift right now, but I just got a call back. Is there any way that I can find someone to sub for me? And if somebody couldn't sub for me, it was no call, no shower. You know? yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry, I have a call back. Um, I guess you can fire me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard choice to make, right? Because New York is expensive and you have to survive. And I think for a lot of us, the whole how do you survive and and get your foot in the door yeah. as a performer was hard. And everybody has their own level of comfort with survival jobs, you know? Yes. And for me, I was really thriving in my survival job, you know? That's I great. was crushing it. But I will tell you, like, after... So I, I started bra fitting again because I was speaking $8 an hour selling shoes on 86th Street. It was not working out. And then, <laughs> and like eating off the Wendy's dollar menu, like wasn't yeah. a good look. So eventually uh, I got hired for $10 an hour at this bra fitting place. And I was like, I'm going to be rich. Let's do this. <laughs> and so, so I started bra fitting and it really opened up my perspective. I tell this story a lot. Like I was because I was a performer too, this was really um, magnified. I was really, really hard on myself and my body and how I looked. And I really wanted to look a certain way so that when I went into the audition room, I would be accepted or, you know, cast and whatever. And so the stories I was telling myself about who I had to be or how I had to look were magnified. And when I saw other naked humans (laughs) in the bra fitting room for like my first week as a bra fitter, and this is New York City, so it was like every kind of person and, and experience you can imagine, it totally shifted my idea of what beauty looks like, of what bodies look like, of what it, how important it is of how we talk to ourselves. Because I saw every every single person in that room, whether they were a supermodel or a mom of four or a person after cancer or whatever, have something negative to say in the mirror in front of them. Out loud, but especially you could see what was going on in their head. And I thought, man, I didn't even notice that about them. What a waste of time. Oh my gosh, I'm doing the same thing. So it really shifted how I was talking to myself about, first about my body, but then just about my, my words as a human. But anyway, I started back in 2005 doing that. And then very quickly, moved. this sounds funny because like the ranks of the lingerie world, but they exist, but moved up very quickly in the ranks of the lingerie world from this mom and pop shop where I really learned how to fit to working for Saks Fifth Avenue to then working for La Perla and then going on television for them and whatever. And I was offered a, a sales position, a wholesale position with La Perla, which is like a dream job. Great salary. You go to Italy, mega beautiful location. Wow. You're working at Madison Avenue, like totally great. And I turned it down. I actually still know that CEO, former CEO of La Perla, who's like my mama in the business. And she's this short Italian woman is very fierce. And we talk about that moment all the time because she slid a piece of paper across the desk at me with a salary on it. And I turned very dramatic and I turned it over and I knew when I turned it over, it didn't matter what number she put on that paper. I wanted to give acting a shot. I knew it before I turned it over. And so I, I slid it back over and I said, can I think about it? Which again, that was just me trying to figure out the right way to tell her no to this dream job in this industry. And so I, I went away. She's like, you have till 6 p.m. tonight. It was like two o'clock. I was like, thanks for the time. So I, I went away. I thought about it. I came back to her and I said, no. And I told her, I said, I went to school for theater. I, I haven't really given acting a fair shot. So I'm going to do that. And she was like, okay. And so for... For almost a year, I really dedicated myself to auditioning and really went for it, like really gave it my all. And I actually ended up getting another job that paid a ton more money. But I was like, let me make this money so then I can take the time off to like really audition. And they, they did me the favor because I wasn't going to quit. And um, it was right when the recession hit in 2008. And they let me go. 
mostly because I was making the most and I could get another job and they knew it. And they just had really had to downsize. And I was upset for about three days and then very thankful. And I took eight months of not working anywhere to just dedicate to performing. And I was doing, you know, um, I had, a, I had an agent at the time. So I was doing commercials and I was doing this audition and that audition and nothing about it felt right. It all felt like I was just forcing it because I was like, I majored in acting. I'm going to make this happen. Some elements of it felt good, but it didn't feel right. I don't, I don't know another way to explain it. I just knew it wasn't how I was going about it was not, was not the right thing. And so it was then that this bra shop I had been working for seven years earlier called back and was like, hey, we need you to come back. Or maybe it was, I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was, it was years earlier that I'd been working for them. And I had left some kind of not great terms with them. So I was like, we need to talk about this. But I ended up going back and really humbled myself. I was working for $12 an hour again and worked my way up within that company and just felt this sense of fulfillment in supporting people with an undergarment to see themselves in a brand new way, to support what's right over their heart, to understand themselves, to like love and adorn and support their body in a way that I had not felt in acting for a long time. And it was, I had to really reckon myself with that feeling of like, Oh, this feels too good. Why? Like I, and I was still at the time performing here and there and auditioning here and there, but it was like little dabbles of like, just feels good. And I started singing in a choir. It felt great, but I just knew, I just knew it was time to stop pursuing theater as the career. Interesting. I like that. Cause I think for, for all of us there, there does, you know, we are trying to, to prove ourselves that we can do this. And at some point for us that have transitioned into something else, it does kind of hit that point where it's like, yeah. is this what I still want to do? Correct. That's the key thing is that I want to do. Yeah. And so you know, that CEO and I have worked together now many times. I'm still in the bra industry. <laughs> and she, she said to me years later when I was kind of back in the biz, and she said, you know, I'm very surprised to see you here because you told me you didn't want that job with the Perla, who she was no longer working with because you wanted to pursue acting. I thought you were going to be a big movie star by this time. Like what happened basically? And I told her, I said, I gave it a shot. I realized it wasn't what I wanted anymore. And I moved on. And like, it was both humbling to say that to her, but also it felt really good to honor and claim that. And here's the thing. I really did give it a shot. I didn't half-ass it. I didn't, I didn't, you know, sort of kind of do it. Like I had an agent. I was, I was hustling. I was doing all the things. I was getting the headshots and mailing the people and going to the actress connection. I was really doing it. And, and so I felt, I felt really proud of the work that I had put in and the attempt that I had made. And it, it felt like a failure for me to change things for like a second. It really, I will honor that it did, but for like a second, because then I realized, you know what? I gave this my best shot. I still like performing, but um, I have, I found this other form of fulfillment that feels like I can really live up my purpose, live up my why in a brand new way. And I'm going to honor that now. And I, to, I knew that took courage for me to say, just like it took courage for me to move to New York city. So I was yeah. still living with my values of courage and adventure and authenticity. And I was like, I'm going to move on. So, yeah. And, and when we were chatting, I really liked, because I had asked you, you know, how should I introduce you? And you were like, oh my God, I have all these things. I'm doing all these things. And, and for me, I'm like, even though you might have all these different iterations, they all have an underlying theme. Mm-hmm. And you had said to me, when I figured out my why mm-hmm. and, and, and started coming from that place, I yeah. realized all the possibilities. So yes. talk about that a little bit. If okay. You can. I love it. <laughs> I love this so much. So this is something I also teach people now, either if I'm coaching someone one-on-one or in the hooray clubhouse, which is the new community that I built, we talk about your why a lot because acting is a what performing is a what right? That's like something that you do. And so was bra fitting. For a long time, I felt fulfillment in the act of bra fitting. It felt really gratifying to be able to serve someone in a way with this brand new knowledge about themselves and their bodies. Both of those things were what. 
And so I was in the process of re, you know, pivoting in my career. And I, I'd also just for reference had also done media. Like I, I have a whole media company that I started where I was like, my first iteration of my business was that I was creating digital content for people. So blog posts and tweets and, you know, newsletters and stuff, mostly for undergarment brands. And, um, because I hated the way that lingerie companies were talking to people about their bodies and what they should buy. Cause the message usually was like, you're, you are gross Buy this thing and you'll look better and then you'll be valuable. And I was like, Whoa, like that, that to me was the worst way to talk to people. So it was more like, you are amazing. This is going to help you see that on a daily basis. Um, so anyway, so I started helping people change the messaging in their, in their, uh, their marketing. But again, what I was doing was I was creating digital content and it was so hung up on the what between each of these things and sort of judging myself that they were so different and where's the thread here and whatever. But I had seen that really popular Simon Sinek Ted talk. If, if someone hasn't seen it, it's from 2008, has a billion views, um, about starting with why years before had seen it kind of understood it, whatever. And he had just come out with a book on not just why you should start with why, but like how to find your why. And I was like, Oh, I want to know that. Let's do this. So, um, and, and again, his idea, his general concept is that why you do something influences how you do it. And then what you do, not the other way around. And so, and that's why people like buy from you. That's why people work with you. That's why people love and adore you, whatever. So like really being, being, you know, solid in your why. So I went to this, this, this fireside chat that he and the other two co-authors were having about this. And he was talking about this stuff and these concepts. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and the girl in front of me asked the question I wanted to ask, like totally divine placement. And she said, well, what if you know your why, but you want to know your how? And I was like, yes, that's me. Like, I know why I do this. I'm really connected to my purpose. This feels great. But like, I want to know how do I do this? How do I, how do I bring this to the world? And so one of the co-authors, like, whose name I can't remember, asked her, okay, well, what's your, what's your why? And she said, I help busy hospitality workers find a better work-life balance. And he was like, okay, there's a lot of what in your why. That's like what you do. And she was like, okay. He's like, your why is so much broader. It's the reason that people work with you. It's the reason that your, your friends love you. It's like the, the, you can fulfill your why in any aspect of your life, not just through what you do. And I swear it was like, like little light bulbs going off. And I was like, huh? Cause I thought my why was I support people to love themselves and their bodies through undergarments, but that was still a how and a what. And so she, he said, well, why do your friends like you? And she said, I don't know. Cause I'm funny. Like not because she helps hospitality workers. And he said, that's so much closer to your why. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. So I came up with my why statement, which was, is, that I support people to uncover pathways of love within themselves and with each other so that we can have a more harmonious world. I truly believe I can use an undergarment fitting, the process of a bra fitting, to help that person love themselves a little bit more and understand themselves a little bit more. And it's my belief that when people love and understand themselves a little bit more and have less judgment of themselves, they can love and understand other people more and have less judgment of them. And that creates harmony in our world. I can tell you <laughs> with the utmost sincerity, I believe we need more harmony in our world right now, like a lot more. And so I realized, oh, our video, there we go. So I realized <laughs> like, okay, I can fulfill that why of, supporting people to find pathways of love within themselves and with each other to have a more harmonious world as a bra fitter, as a consultant, as a wife, as a friend, as a neighbor, as a whatever, like I can do whatever and still fulfill that why. And it was like, like my world opened up. And so I, that was what gave me the courage to start coaching people one-on-one -on -one and dealing with emotions because really what I was doing in the bra fitting room, let's be real honest. I was not helping them find a bra that fit. I, I mean this with like so much love and care. Anybody can do that. Like you can train to figure out how bras fit. What I was doing was helping people uncover beliefs they had about themselves and replace the ones that were negative or didn't serve them or just not true with a brand new belief about who they are, where their value is, what their beauty is, and then to celebrate themselves. That's literally what I teach everybody to do now in the right clubhouse is ERC, eliminate what's not working, redecorate with the truth and celebrate themselves. And we, we get to the belief underneath any of the feelings that are coming up 
and work with that instead. I never would have been able to do that and to pivot in that way if I was so focused on the what of acting or digital content or profiting. It's like just opened everything up in a much better way. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I guess I got to dig into my why. <laughs> Clubhouse. It's one of our modules. And or read, read the book. Like he has a really great book on this and there's that great Ted talk and everything. But I mean, again, not everybody, um, not everybody's why needs to be fulfilled with running your own business or, or creating something in the world. You know what I mean? Like some people's why is to, to support their family and to be the most loving parent or, or spouse that you can be. And that is truly enough for me personally. I knew it was beyond, beyond and included that, you know, like I knew I was meant to create something in the world and I just didn't know what or how to do it. But once I found the why it kind of didn't matter, I kind of had this free pass to create whatever. And so when you're saying like, there's that underlying thread, that's it. It's the why. Uh, all yeah. the things that I, I see, I do this because in the hooray house method, we talk about that being the ground that you, that you create on. And so if you are a house, which is the method and my business is a tree, it's on the same ground, the right. same values, the same solid foundation of like what I'm about. And then I grow or build on top of that, no matter what I do, whether wow. it's this business or this relationship or this way I feel about myself, it's all on the same solid ground. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, it's funny because, I mean, you know, I've seen that same TED Talk and I've, I've listened and watched and heard this so many times. And, you know, I always think I know what my why is, but it does, hearing you say it didn't, doesn't stop you. I'm like, that's why I need to work more on the why. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> Keep coming back to that. And you know what? Like this blew my mind a little bit. I don't know if anyone else is going to disagree with this, but I did for a minute. And now I'm like, maybe he's right. Simon Sinek's theory is that we all have a why everybody has one. You don't have to create it or, or find it. It's like, it's just, it, it exists within you. It's why you are doing things. And the more aware of it, you are, the more you can connect to it and work from there, which is great. But his theory is that our why is solidified by the time we're like 16, 17 years old, like in our late teens. And I was like, interesting. And so if you go back in your life and think about, this is like a part of how he describes to do this. Think about these stories when you really felt like you were making an impact or what you really learned from people, like just start putting all these strings, you're a storyteller, like take all the strings of these stories together you know, I was really influenced at a really young age that I wanted to create harmony in the world because I didn't have a super harmonious, very young life. And mm. I had a lot of disruption in the relationships and parental relationships in my life. Right. And so it was always my goal to create harmony and beauty within any of the situations that I went. That was what I wanted. And I, I feel like now I know as an adult that the way to get there is to love yourself and to love other people. It's, it's weird that it's that simple. And now I get to fulfill that after moving from New York City to rural Oklahoma, <laughs> where I'm in a, what I'm going to describe as a foreign country <laughs> um, and surrounded by people where there's a lot of opportunity for disharmony. You know, we have, I have different beliefs than folks here and there's a lot of, it's election years. So there's just a lot of um, misunderstandings between people. And so whether I am, this is so metaphorical, but whether I'm singing, which I actually, singing has been the number one way I've connected with people in this town. The number one way. I never would have thought that because I'm not a performer anymore. Right. But like, I sang at the local theater. I wore a glitzy gown and was just, here I am, this is me, while everyone else was like in their t-shirt and shorts singing the ukulele. And I was like, who cares? I'm going to sing some opera for you. And then I also um, sing at the local senior center. And then I also sing in the local church choir, um, thing, you know, uh, band, like all the different ways of like connecting and serving. And I realized, especially when it comes to like the church band, um, I love to harmonize. 
I love to add that layer of, of beauty and harmony into a situation where there's already a melody. So whether you think of that metaphorically and like the harmony that we're creating in the world or whether it's, it's me moving to a town where there's already a melody, there's already a common belief here of like politics and relationships and family and all sorts of things. And I come in with like a, a, a slightly different, uh, <laughs> different story. It's just to add harmony, not to necessarily come in and disrupt or sing a different melody over top of you, but to add harmony. How can we find harmony between our, our music? If my, if my song's a little bit different than yours, which trust me, it is. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. And I, I love that. And I think right now we need so much of that, you know, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. And, and, and. I think it's great that you are there getting to see that other side because you also start to realize that the other, you know, there are other sides. And even though people may believe certain things, you can still find that harmony harmony. and that commonality. Girl, why don't you preach at me? Because yes. And you know what? I spent a lot of time doing the inner work of getting to know myself like really getting to know, not judge myself and understand who I am and what I'm about. And that's, that's key. Like that's the first step, right. Of like not judging myself or my beliefs or my understand misunderstandings within me. Um, but I was in a bubble in New York, you know, a lot of my friends thought the same things as me and it was an echo chamber of, of politics and, and, you know, from everything of, of, you know, gender identity and sexual orientation to, to racism and BLM movements and all of that stuff. I had all my friends really, we thought the same way. Yeah. So moving here gave me the opportunity to really do the second part of my why, which is to create pathways of love between other people. Because again, I didn't, I had no idea what Sally from Oklahoma thinks about her body, how she feels about her relationship with her husband, how she, how, you know, what she says in the mirror when she goes bra shopping, but also like what she thinks about, politics and gender and racism. Like I had an idea in my mind of how Sally talked to herself or what she said with her friends, but I didn't really know. I didn't have a real understanding. And now Sally's my neighbor and, you know, we <laughs> sing together and we do. So it's like really, an, and, and I will just pause briefly to say I'm very white presenting and my husband is very white. And so we have this privilege of being able to move to this very white town in rural, you know, Midwest, whatever they, the mm-hmm. plains that are, all year. Um, and, and to kind of fit in at a, at a, a moment's glance and, um, assimilate and infiltrate, um, because we don't have to, we don't have tattoos all over our face saying I'm with her, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Right. We, our skin does not all automatically separate us. Right. And so that privilege that I've, I've been leaning into while living here that like, okay, um, I can build understanding between me and another person before bringing up something that might be um, a different a different tone than what you've been singing this whole time. All right. And talk about and see if if this is causing disharmony or harmony between us, and how can we find a way for there to be harmony? It's yeah. Tricky. Not every melody is going to work. <laughs> there are some people here I, I certainly have found some disharmony with, but in general, most people are, are willing to harmonize. They really are. I'm using the metaphor too much, but you know what I mean? It's, 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 <laughs> it's been a huge learning experience for me, for them, for us, for, yeah, we're, we're yeah. just a little way here in the middle America, literally the middle of the United States that I hope will ripple out into the whole rest of the world. Right. That's beautiful. I, I, I love this thing about the why. And I feel like even though, you know, we've talked about all the things that, that you were able to carry forward with theater and you say that theater is so much of what you do, but I, I think being a performer is very much who you are. Uh, interesting. I don't know. I feel like who I am is, you know, in the hooray house metaphor, we talk about these building blocks of your foundation. 
And to me, like the things I know I am are things mm-hmm. like, to get a little woo-woo on us here, I am divinely created. I am filled with love. I am, you know, worthy. I'm valid. Like all those things, right? That's who I am. Mm-hmm. And as a performer, there are values and skills within me that are a part of who I am, but those are not who I am. Does that make sense? Okay. Help me. So as far as like performing and showing up in the world in that way, and we talked a little bit about astrology and how yeah. I'm a Leo rising in moon. So it's very much a part of my, my attributes and traits and skills in the world for sure are mm-hmm. I can present and center of attention and charming and I can speak well and all those things. Right. So like, those are attributes, but as far as like who I am, that okay. will never, that will never change. Like okay. if I couldn't talk tomorrow or I couldn't dance tomorrow or I couldn't sing tomorrow, whatever, those, those skills could stop, but right. it would never actually stop that I'm worthy, that I'm divinely created, that I'm loved, like those kind of things. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. But yes, you're right. Like for sure. I came out of the womb ready to perform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like ready. And- And I like that you said this because I think as performers, we've done it. I mean, so many of us have done it since we were like three, four, five years old. And so our whole identity is is enmeshed in this thing that we do. and, and, And very much you feel like that is who you are. I mean, I remember in high school... And this may sound terrible, but, you know, I I remember, I forget, somebody might have been in a terrible accident. I don't know what it was. There was some reason that we were talking about somebody being in a horrible accident Mm -hmm. and never being able to walk again. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, if I can't dance, there is Mm -hmm. no point in being alive. Mm-hmm. And he turned to me and he was like, never say that again. Yeah, Do not that. ever say that again. And I was just like, okay. And I just kind of was like, why is he getting so upset? Like it just, you know, I just felt that way. But yeah. when I moved, when I moved to New York and we were taking class every day, there was a woman in my dance class that showed up every day and she had this custom, this lightweight wheelchair Mm-hmm. And she came in and she danced in class and it was beautiful to watch because yeah. you could see her, even though she wasn't actually doing an arabesque or a glissade or a pirouette, she was doing it in this chair yeah. and yeah. finding out her story of, you know, she had just landed her first Broadway show, slipped on the ice on the stairs of Lincoln Center and fell and broke her back. <gasps> oh my gosh. And she had just gone on a first date with her, her husband, you know? <laughs> and so it was this moment where it was like, yeah. she couldn't do what she was doing at the time. But now, I mean, she's, I think she's in her seventies now. She had her own dance company. She's done all of this advocacy work. She's done, she, you know, she's still dancing. Right. But see, to me, I, I love this story so much because to me, it was like, we do really find our identity a lot in what we do and mm-hmm. also how we show up to it. Right. Yeah. But like truly we are the why and we are those building blocks, that foundation of things that could never change about us, no matter our outside circumstances. Yeah. And so if you go back to the house metaphor, if we are a house, right. And we have that solid ground that we built it on and that's who we are, what we do in the world, performing, singing, you know, accounting, whatever you do, right. That you find so much joy in maybe some people will do. I don't know. That to me is what you're growing in the yard, like flowers and beautiful things in that tree. If you have a business, that tree that you've put out there, mm-hmm. you are not those things. You are the house. And so if something uh, lightning strikes the tree or, you know, weather comes and ruins the flowers or whatever, your house is still stable. In fact, sometimes we need to cut down the tree or prune the tree in order to save the house. Right. And so so her willingness to show up to dance was because it was one way that she, she, she loves to express who she is out into mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. It was just a different flower. It was just a different, a different color, a different variation of what she likes to do. But she also it didn't change who she was. Right. I, I, I feel like the universe, God, whatever, 
gives us opportunities to reinforce who we are by taking away things we think we are. So right. for example, I was a New Yorker. I lived there for 16 years. I was a city girl. I loved the energy of New York. And this opportunity came for me to really stand in who I am and not where I live, not what I'm about, not the whatever, this identity that I had when my husband called me and said, hey, we have this opportunity for this job, which by the way, this is, this is how strong my faith is too. Um, the job is not even good on paper. His mentor was like, low pay, long hours, middle of nowhere, difficult boss. I think you should take it. And we were like, what? <laughs> like everybody's like, oh, you moved and you're, he must have this amazing job. I was like, no. Um, so anyway, so it was, he said, you know, it's in, it's in rural Oklahoma. And I was like, where? We'd never been to Oklahoma. We knew no one here. There was like no reason, logical reason for us to move. And we knew we needed to. And so we packed up. I mean, Trent moved like two weeks later. We packed yeah. up, drove across the country and moved. And I was used to spending time in New York, Paris, LA, Toronto. So when I told people like, hey, guess, guess where we're moving? People were like, guessing all these fancy cities. And I was like, nope, because here's the gift that God or the universe gave to me. It was, I love you so much. I'm going to challenge you on this identity you have about where you need to be in order to be valuable or, to, or like who that is about you or the people that you're around or whatever. And I'm going to move you someplace that is so not you in your mind. And I'm going to ask you to continue to show up as you in that place. It was like, thanks for the assignment. <laughs> Several months later, still affirming who I am, regardless of where I am, what I do, you know, <laughs> what, what cool networking events I'm going to or whatever. Right. And um, and still being able to be me, to be yeah. worthy and lovable and divinely created and wired for success and all the things, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's just who I am no matter where I go. So, yeah. Ray. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. And I like that because I think so many of us, I mean, I, even though I've been a photographer, you know, I studied dance since the age of five and I've retired around 27, 28. So, you know, there's 20 years that I spent and now it's like almost 20 years as a photographer. And part of me still feels like a, a dancer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, but it's like those built you, that never goes away. You yeah. know, I'm still yeah. always going to be a New Yorker to the day I die, even if right. I never live there again. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, I think that the dance colors how I do photography. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yes. You know. New York colors how I show up to Oklahoma. <laughs> you know, theater colors how I show up as a, as a, a bra fitter, you know, as yeah. a coach. Bra fitting colors how I show up as a coach. Like all the different aspects of who we are, how we showed up, what we learned, how we, it's like it, it takes, I like it as building materials within the house, but also mm -hmm. like paint. It's like layers of paint within you. Like, yeah. um, it just adds to the, the uh, mosaic of who you are. Right. And, and I'm so thankful for that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so thankful for my years as the performer and as the New Yorker and as the whatever that I get to bring that with me here. It's not like I stopped being who I am. It's yeah. that I bring that flavor with me into this new way of being. And yeah. I can see that in you too, for sure, for sure, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and that I think is really important. And that's what I think, you know, so many coaches and brand people and, you know, and I'm always trying to tell my clients is like, all those things make you who you are. Mm -hmm. So we need to kind of figure out what it is that, that, who you are, why you're doing what you're doing, and then express that yep. into yep. the world. I mean, that is the whole hooray house method is that how do I love and understand myself, get really clear on who I am, what I believe in, what are my values, what's my why, um, have that really firm foundation so then I can build my life on top of that. And then the whole point of this, that what I what we call that is to like really find your hooray, like your version of success and fulfillment based on what really actually matters to you. Not to your mom, not to your grandmother, not to your spouse, not to society, but to you. Like what mm -hmm. are you really all about? Get rid of any limiting beliefs or other people's beliefs or outdated beliefs, like all that stuff. Redecorate your inner life 
based on who you really are and celebrate it, right? That's the ERC plan that I talk about all the time. And then if you are cool, solid in here, then you can bring that into the world. Then you're not stumbling over misbeliefs or other people's expectations or whatever. And no matter what goes on out there, you're still good in here. So if someone comes yeah. by and they're like, "Ew, your house, you are gross. Um, you can be like, uh, thank you, but I'm actually good in here. Thank you so much. Whatever, whatever you're seeing out here, like I know what I'm about in here. But the same thing is true if someone comes by and be like, oh, amazing, love this. You can say, great, I'm so glad you do. Thank you for affirming what I know to be true within here. But also, like, you're just seeing the outside. Inside, where it really matters, where I really spend my time with myself, it's, it's, it's like that's where I feel at home. I feel at home in who I am. Mm-hmm. And then you can bring that out into the world. You can impact the world. You can share your story. You can, you know, perform or you can do accounting or you can, you know, (laughs) meet the love of your life or do whatever you want as you bringing your full self to that situation instead of like some facade or some, some other person's expectation of who you are need to be. Yeah. That's the hope. Or even the expectation that you put on yourself. (laughs) I mean, for sure, there was a room within my house, within me, that I had decorated for a long time with this expectation of how I needed to show up as a performer and that I had to prove it and had to make it as a performer in order for me to, like, be valuable and loved and and okay because I had set that goal publicly to everybody and I had put a lot of money into building that room, like a lot. Yeah, of time and effort. And so for me to just be like, nah, not this room anymore, felt, you know, horrible to do yeah. that. And so instead, I just needed to, to update it, to redecorate it, to, and to bring things from this. I'm going to, I love metaphors. So to bring <laughs> things from that room into other areas of my life, you know, yeah. like, man, this was a great piece that I brought into this. This is an awesome lesson I learned as a performer. I'm not just going to trash this room and close the door forever. I'm going to bring that into this other area of my life. Yeah. Or like, I love being in here sometimes and it's really fun, but like, I don't need to be in here all the time kind of a thing. Yeah. By the way, performing in rural Oklahoma is fascinating. I did (laughs) did community theater for like a minute and they were lovely, but it was, it was a very different way of working and work ethic than I was used to. And just, I just wanted to do it for fun. And it was actually so intense and, um, just way more than I was expecting. And so I was like, I, I think it's best if we both move on. And I was just traveling way too much to be able to actually commit to all that time that they wanted for, for theater here. But yeah, I'm so glad that there's theater out here, but it is different. It's just, that's hard. It's really hard when you have certain, levels of professionalism and 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 skill to be really honest and just practice and so the a story acquire that I was in for years that met once a week every you know every Monday we were brilliant like we were so good I went back to hear them perform recently actually right before COVID hit I was in New York in March yeah and I I ugly cried through the entire concert like <laughs> ugly cried because I missed expressing myself in that way at that level with those people in that room. I can right. cry now thinking about it. Yeah. So it's not like those things, Ooh, sorry. Not, <laughs> it's not like those things go away that like, I want, I want to do that. Like, Oh, you're right. Like that's so a part of me. That room still feels really good to be in. Um, but it's okay for me to like honor that and know I, I can potentially do that again but the level, the level of performing in my current town is not as, it's not as high. It's just not, right. it's just not the right. same thing. So yeah. finding new ways to do that. You know, what's really cool about living here though, um, is car singing. I've never owned a car in my entire life. So at 35, <laughs> I had to buy my, my first car <laughs> and it takes two and a half hours to get to the closest city from here. And so that long trip, I just sing at the top hop of my lungs and sing opera and sing musical theater and do whatever, like cry to Hamilton, you know, whatever. Like it is so great because in the subway I could listen to whatever and walk to it and read whatever. That was great. But it was, I couldn't full out sing without really annoying the people around me, you know? So, um, so I just decided to, to like embrace that part of this experience. It was like yeah. full on 
singing. And there's like no one on the roads out here. It's me and the armadillo that's on the corner. So it's fun. It's great. That's a great part of living here, I will say. All right. This has been really fascinating. I love to hear your story and how you've transitioned and how you've discovered this new business that you have. I mean, it's been a while. It's, you know, you, it's had many iterations. Correct. So it's super exciting. Do you have anything that you would want to say to artists that are starting out? Like, what do you, what is it in that area of starting out either college or starting out going out there to perform? What would you say to them? So top of my head, two things. One is going back to the why, like really getting clear on what your why is. And, and it may not be something you decide in a day, right? Read the books, read, go to do the TED talk, join my hurry clubhouse. If you want, like figure out really why you do anything. Um, so you can lead from there for everything that you do. That's number one. And then number two is my favorite motto in the whole world is to show up and be nice. And so show up, I mean, bring your full self, bring your full authentic self to everything that you're doing. Give it a shot. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to go to that thing, go to that thing and like be a person of your own integrity and your own worth. So that way, again, if you say, I'm going to do this thing, do it like full out and then be nice, meaning be nice to yourself and be nice to others. Like (laughs) performing, whether it's performing or any other industry, honestly, it's all relationship built. And so being kind to yourself and knowing how to set boundaries and and to have high self-esteem and to actually like yourself, whether, whether you fail or not, huge air quotes around fail, but right. To just like yourself, no matter what, and come back to that is so key, but also just being nice to other people. Like, again, a lot of the jobs that I got were because I was the kind human to other humans. I could collaborate well, you know, (laughs) theater, but also other jobs is the community creation. So you, they will hire someone over you, even if you are even a little bit more talented because they're like, well, I have to spend eight months with this person. So I'm going to choose the person that's good to be around. It's like a kind human. that's going to show up with like, let's do this together. Let's problem solve together. Let's, Ooh, let's get through this funky scene. That's no, no fun. Let's show up to this together. Just be nice, be nice to each other. So show up and be nice. Awesome. I love that. Now, (laughs) now, what would you say to people that are transitioning? You know, they're... I mean, it's kind of the same advice. Yeah. (laughs) And also, you know, show up and be nice. But also, I I would go back to the whole, you know, metaphor of you are the house and your business tree or the, the, the beauty that you put into the world, like your art that you put into the flowers, like are not you. So it is really okay to let go of one thing and embrace another. And change is by nature uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So like get out of your comfort zone. Um, that's where growth happens. Welcome every, this is my motto for, for growth opportunities. Like welcome every every discomfort, all the, all the icky stuff as like, this is happening for me, not to me. Like, how is this here for my growth? How is this showing up for me on behalf of God or the universe for my growth? And so just over when, when crappy stuff happens or it feels uncomfortable, which it will say, how, how is this happening for me and not to me again yeah. and again? Yeah. Cause for me is, is a place of power. And to me yep. is like, you have no control. Correct. Yeah. And even if you don't have control, you can still stand firm in this belief that it's all working out for the highest good of everybody involved, including me. And Mm -hmm. this is here for me. This is here to support me. This is here in some way, even if it's uncomfortable, this has been a sign. Even if you're moving to rural Oklahoma, (laughs) a sign for my growth in a way that is going to serve me, even if right now it feels really challenging. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, if you're saying people are putting, or, you know, the higher power is putting things, you know, COVID was put there just to remind you that you're not missing out on anything. 
because we're not doing anything here in New York. I heard that. Everyone's like, you don't miss New York. Nothing's happening here. And I'm like, I feel this. <laughs> yeah. Fun, you know? <laughs> COVID is happening, but there's no, there's no hanging out. There's no live theater. There's no, you know. <laughs> Actually, I can say this to you too, because you're a performer and you get it, but I, I, so I was in New York to do like a bunch of gigs right before COVID happened. So yeah. thank God for this two weeks of like, I did a commercial shoot for bras. I hosted a panel on sustainability and intimates. I did the Rachel Ray show about bras, right? Like I did this whole, I, I led a women's circle. I like a yeah. human women's circle. Like I did a whole bunch of gigs in New York. And then I was just had some extra days to hang out and COVID just started becoming a thing. And I remember thinking like, huh, should I go home early? Like I'm not really able to hang out or do anything. And I was like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden Broadway went dark and I was like, and I'm out. Like <laughs> Broadway shuts down the show does not go on. I'm like, and this is my cue to be like, nope, no, 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 no. And I literally booked a flight for the next morning at 7 a.m. I was like, okay, so if I can't see theater while I'm here and if I can't, um, like if the show is stopping on Broadway with Broadway's dark, that something's wrong. We got to go. So I laughed immediately. <laughs> Final thing I'll tell you about Broadway, I promise, is that um, right before I moved here to Oklahoma, I actually went to see the musical Oklahoma uh, at Circle in the Square and my mom, who was helping me move, and again, ugly cried through a lot of it. It's a really sort of dark version of the show, which is kind of a dark musical anyway, even though it's yeah. being thought of as really cheerful, but it's a really dark, sexy tough show and as a person who practices embracing all all emotions um and doesn't classify things as negative or or positive this had some darker emotions that I was feeling too and I was just like so thankful for for theater to like have an opportunity to 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 be emotional to like witness emotions in other humans and to like Give yourself permission to feel them. Like I literally schedule times to cry. That's because I'm at Capricorn, so I schedule things in. But I like <laughs> give myself the space to feel things and to to like let things out instead of just bottling them up or sweeping them under the rug. And so my number one way that I allow myself to do that is that I put on a television show or watch a, a musical that I know will bring those emotions to the surface. So like theater can be such a cathartic tool for us to tap into our emotions and not avoid them and to like really be clear on what is in there within me. And during that show, there was a lot of fear I had and a lot of frustration and a lot of nervousness and anxiety. And I was able to both enjoy this beautiful show and like great performance and like honor and love that and like listen Mm -hmm. to that music, like but also just be like, oh yeah, I have these things going on within me. I, I had an opportunity to deal with those. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate all of this. This was so lovely and it's so Hooray. good to catch up with you. <laughs> Hooray. Yeah, we talked forever. This was great. I know. And if anyone wants to get in touch, I'm at Hooray Kame on pretty much everything. So H-U-R-R-A-Y-K-I-M-M-A-Y. HoorayKimei.com. I live on Instagram, so come over there and ask me anything about the Hooray Clubhouse and honoring your emotions and learning to love yourself. Yeah, and I will put all those links in the show notes so everyone has a chance to to look at all that stuff. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great day. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Listening to Act Two Interviews. I'm your host, Sophia Negron. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share with all your friends. Have a great day.